Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to the Bradley Wiggins Show by Eurosport, sponsored by Zwift, where fun is fast. We're here in Tokyo for the 2020 Olympic Games, talking all the events from cycling for the last few days, starting with my guest today, which is Ola Shinui. Hello, Ola. Hello, Bradley. Yes. How are you finding the Olympics? Oh, my God. <laughs> well, considering that we're getting about an average of half a night's sleep every night, absolutely loving it you seem to be yeah <laughs> <laughs> i am though i'm having such fun and do you know what's in, what's surprising is that i wasn't really expecting it which sounds crazy because i give it the big up beforehand because you kind of have to but i wasn't I, I don't know i think just all the chat pre-olympics got to me a little bit like it with everyone you know and and all you're thinking about is the logistics of getting here with covid and quarantine and um, just how difficult it's going to be and how different it's going to be. And it took me, I don't know, maybe about a half a day to get into it. And and I am just, I'm just loving it so much. And the privilege of being here is starting to really hit home. Mm. I think once you start to see the medals and you see the action up close and you realise there are so few people who'll ever get to see any of these moments live yeah. in person. Yeah. It's been phenomenal. Phenomenal. I can't even get my words out. And it's been great fun hanging out with you and podcast Pete and all the gang. I've been really... Daryl the caramel. <laughs> It's been brilliant fun. It's been yeah, really it good. started with the pres the opening ceremony, didn't it? Which was um, which was what hard work, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. And boring. <laughs> yeah, but um, and then we had you had half an hour of sleep that night. And we were at yeah. the road race, weren't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah, Which was where we'll start. What did you make of the road race? The road race, remind me. Because we had that a was, crowd as well, didn't we? We did, and that's what's been. Re we've been really lucky mm. with the cycling, haven't we? Because we're outside of Tokyo, yeah. which means that we do get to have at least a maximum of fifty percent capacity. I think it is with the crowds. Yeah. But the road race was phenomenal, wasn't mm. it? It feels like a lifetime ago, it does, doesn't, doesn't it? it? Yeah, yeah. And we had the women's race the next day, didn't we? But the yeah. road, the men's race was um, obviously won by. Richard, Richard Carapaz, Carapaz yeah, which yeah. was, I think, none of us expected that. No. And we should have done, really, I think, with having seen what he was like at the Tour de France. But all eyes were on Walt Van Aert, weren't they? Yeah, and, um, and Tali Pogacar, yeah. Maybe a bit of Roglic. Third. We were talking Roglic beforehand. We were, don't, yeah. don't forget, we we're talking about the Belgians in general, I guess. But yeah, we had that sprint for second. We were mm. going on it, go, going on air immediately afterwards and weren't entirely sure who'd, who'd won that no, sprint between no. Van Aert and Pogacar. No. But yeah, it was a brilliant final. And G crashed, tail crashed again, again yeah, which was a yeah. shame to see, wasn't it? But um, I thought it was a brilliant race. And we saw more of it than I thought we would, actually, with them coming through with the laps at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really like that. Yeah. We've been so spoiled with action that's so compact and it feels like there have been so many intense moments of mm. drama that it feels like the men's road race was three weeks ago. It feels yeah. like it was as long ago, at least as the Tour de France, if not before. Yeah. And I don't really remember much more than than all of that. You no. know, Geraint crashing 
and tail crashing. And Geraint, of course, abandoned the race. Mm. And what was so lovely... He got a round of applause, didn't he? He did, that's what I was going to say. The Japanese crowd have made me want to cry every day. They've been so respectful. Mm. They keep coming up to you. You keep reminding me how Mm. big a deal you are in Japan. And you are, (laughs) you bloody are. (laughs) It's brilliant. It was great. And then, of course, we had the women's race. The women's race, which was phenomenal, wasn't it? What did you make of that? Well... The Dutch got it horribly wrong. Yeah. And we picked them up, didn't we, a lot before. Everybody did. I we think that's to, what, what went wrong with it. Because they really. were so dominant all yeah. season. But I tell you what I noticed more than anything being on this side of the fence, not just the men's race, but I, for the first time I was able to watch the women's race. Mm-hmm. We've never really been able to see it. The last time I remember the importance of what the women's race meant, because you're so wrapped up in your own race, was, yeah. was being close to Lizzie when she got second in London. Yeah, yeah. And obviously we were all in the hotel and around the dinner table and stuff like that. And just the... She got beat by Marianne Voss there, and we did a piece for Eurosport last year, didn't we? A Zoom thing. With, yeah, that's right. And yeah. Listening to her talk about freezing in the sprint and all that, Pouring but still with being that happy day. to get a, a medal, and it's amazing to think that was nine years ago, mm. um, and how far she's come as an athlete. Um, and obviously, she was involved in the final there, yeah. but the frustration of not almost trying to feed off the Dutch and everyone leaving the work to the Dutch was, I think, that, you know, watching the disappointment. Because she thought she'd won as well, didn't mm-hmm. she, Van Vluten? Yeah, Van Vluten. Yeah. yeah. And the, her embarrassment in the interviews afterwards and not wanting to do them and things like that initially. But um, obviously we'll come to the time trial, but she made up for that certainly yeah. today because we we're, we're doing this off the back of the time trials. But, but yeah, the- I just, I think for the first time I realised the, the importance, maybe from my own, my own victories in the Olympics, of just exactly what it means mm. because I watched the ceremonies and the interviews after and it today is more than ever the time trial struck me what it means and from from as a, as a spectator do you know what was amazing about that race and part of the reason that I don't remember an awful lot about the men's race is because it felt exciting at the time but the women's race seemed we, we had a hangover from the women's race mm. for days afterwards my timeline was crammed with discussion and debate about what went wrong mm. what what it meant and uh, we should say Anna Kiesenhofer the Austrian took the victory a hugely surprising win she was in the first break of the day of course and lasted all the way did the last 41 kilometers solo but everyone talking about whether the Dutch had disrespected her by not well by underestimating her I guess and also there's an awful lot of debate as to whether the fact that it looked like Cecily Utrecht Ludwig of Denmark was the only rider to congratulate Kiesenhofer afterwards Mm. and there was a lot of debate on my timeline at least as to whether this was disrespectful by the Dutch and that they should have had the humility to go over and congratulate Kiesenhofer. But I don't know if that's just because Kiesenhofer only had, well, she didn't have any teammates, so she was going to be by herself. And also, I feel like Annemiek van Vluten thought she'd won. All her teammates thought she'd won. They're spending those five minutes afterwards yeah. getting their heads around the fact that they didn't and what went wrong. And, and the disappointment, it. yeah. Absolutely. With what did you world, think of With the world watching. Debate? With the world watching and with everybody in the race still thinking that Annemiek van Vluten had won. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I don't know. I mean, look, no one knows what they'll do unless they're in that situation. Yeah. And seeing what it meant to van Vluten today winning the time trial, it's a huge thing mm. to just suddenly be told, no, you didn't win. And there's no radios. They weren't getting any time checks. So although they messed it up tactically, and uh, but I think the whole race left them to do all the work. Yeah. And, and they, they shouldn't ha- have been the only ones. You know, if you're going to no. bring it back for a sprint, the no. Germans should have been working for Lisa Brenner, for example, or plenty of other teams with, Absolutely, with yeah. enough numbers. But no, I just think that they, you get criticised for how you act in the moment, mm. really. And... 
you know, I'm sure in hindsight when they go back, they could you know, think, probably do things differently. But, you know, you're acting on emotion in that moment and you don't always do the right thing because mm. you're so consumed with yourself and having lost. And well, we've seen you've got what to be so consumed with yourself trying to win, yeah, aren't absolutely, you? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Other than that, and I, and then seeing the emotion of Lizzie afterwards, yeah, 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 you yeah. know, she was just clearly frustrated, and and she didn't have any teammates really. She had one teammate who yeah, did her Anna job Shackley. early on. You know what I loved about that with Lizzie though is she smiled the whole way through her interview afterwards, yeah. and she only learned she'd finished eleventh because I told her, and she sort of almost pretended to thump the barrier in frustration, you know, mm. oh, I just finished outside the top 10. But her smile was so gracious. And I feel like we've really seen her grow so much as an athlete and as a person. And and I do hesitate to say this because there are enough fathers in the peloton and we don't, I think we talk about it more now mm. than we used to. But specifically with Lizzie, I think motherhood seems to have changed her. Maybe marriage has changed her, whatever. I don't yeah. know. But it feels like she's got such a perspective outside of cycling that has given her a joy within cycling. And that is a lovely, lovely thing to see, isn't it? Yeah. And it's hard to do that. And Bradley. I don't think she enjoyed Rio either, mm. did she? Yeah, she the, can't have done. She can't so have I done. think that it was, it was almost like a, coming back here, it was, she, almost, she almost needed it for herself as mm. well, I think. And that perspective, though, mm. did you think you ever had that while you were racing? No. You know, anything outside no. of cycling? No. And I think that that's what, obviously jumping ahead here, that's what Tom Dumoulin mm, gave in his interview mm -hmm. today, was he now has perspective. And when he said he had a really great time and picked up on that, obviously he doesn't mean he was going out getting drunk and enjoyed himself, because <laughs> yeah. he was clearly still riding his bike. Mm -hmm. But he had to find who Tom Dumoulin was mm -hmm. and find out what he wanted to do in life and things like that. And I thought it was a really heartwarming interview that today. Because we ended up talking an awful lot, and, and we are maybe jumping ahead of ourselves, but we talked a lot about athlete welfare and that. And I just wonder... Do you think he would have ever benefited from that, from maybe taking yeah. a break and and having someone say, you know what, this isn't everything. You'll still be able to win yeah. if you take a step back from it. 2012, definitely, yeah. Really, really? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think having, if I'd had a breather more and at the start of 2013, but like Tom said today, the pressure was on to constantly chase results and winning was the standard. And if you're not able to, then someone else is always willing to step up. But yeah, it was interesting what Lizzie said and what Tom said, actually. Let's just go back to Lizzie, because I think we've got her interview now, which we'll play. You go through so much to even get to the start line here. Does all of that sacrifice all the time away from Orla, from Phil, does it feel worth it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just been a long month, <laughs> but it's good. I'm going home now. <laughs> a long month and a long year, Lizzie. It's not been the easiest. No, it hasn't, but, um, you know, that's sport and... I've enjoyed getting here, so I'm, I'm really proud of the. I'm proud of my husband, proud of him for letting me chase my dream, and yeah, happy. And you know, Laura will be watching at home as well, cheering mummy on. I think she might be more interested in her breakfast, <laughs> <laughs> but that's good. That's how we like it. Thanks very much, Leslie. Best of luck. Yeah, and that's the interview we mentioned earlier. I mm. mean, she actually got tears out of her, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, so cynically, I didn't get tears out of her. She was emotional. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because 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 um, you, you humanised it. Because as soon yeah. as you mentioned Phil and her daughter, yeah, I think that's that's the perspective we're talking about. And I think that is that's so much of what we're here to do, though, is to is to humanise it because that's. I mean, you said it to me so many times. So many different things have happened, and you said that's it right there. That's the Olympics. Mm. That's what this is about. Yeah. You know, and and, and that's one of them, is. 
an athlete spending time away from home, sacrificing everything. I mean, not sacrificing everything. They love it. You know, it's mm. a privilege. They do it because they love it. But going through those hard times, and we only see them in that tiny little platform for maybe three minutes. And I feel it does them a disservice to only ask them about their result or ask them about their performance because it's not about that. It's about mm. everything that's taken them this far. And that's what humanizes it. And that essentially is what sport's about, isn't well, it? Well, we've seen it so many times, or I have this year anyway, um, in the interviews. Mm. We saw it with Rowan Dennis today. We saw it with Tom de Milan. We saw it with the two refugees that we saw today, mm -hmm. which really does give perspective. When we were at the mountain bike, we saw it with uh, Yolanda, Yolanda Neef, mm -hmm. who won. And two years ago, she was you know, on her deathbed, having had a really bad accident. And you see what it means to them to come back from that. This is almost like a life thing for them. It's not just about winning gold. It's about a journey they've been on. And I've seen that more than ever this year. And I don't know if that rhetoric has always been there or I'm just noticing it for the first time being on the side of the fence. That's what I wanted to ask mm. you. Has that surprised you? Because for me, this is what I love about sport. It's why I became a sports journalist, because I love all of those stories and I love the connection that we all get from them because we all see a part of ourselves in mm. one of those stories. But for you, you'll have been so focused on your own performance and your team performance. Are you surprised by that level of emotion and that level of humanity involved yeah, in, in this surprised. side of it. I'm surprised. I just realised that we're all the same. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because you think you're on your own. Yeah. And seeing the likes of Rowan Dennis, who I'd known for a long time, who's, I wouldn't say he's cocky. I'm, I, I think he gets tagged and labelled mm -hmm. wrong. But he, um, he, he, I saw a different side to him today in his most sort of vulnerable moment mm -hmm. and how, how grateful and how gracious and how humbled he was to have taken the medal. And it tells you the journey he's been on with that. It's, it's, it wasn't necessarily about winning. And Tom Dumoulin was the same. Mm -hmm. He said a medal of any colour was winning today for him. So, yeah, I've definitely noticed it more. But and you said a few times as well, you wanted to put your arms around different people. You, oh, wanted, to give, like, you wanted to give yeah. G a hug. Yeah, because G was, you know, when he watched him in that vulnerable state afterwards talking and talking about getting home back to his family yeah. and back to Sarah. And, you know, it was lovely. It really was. And yeah, let's hear G's interview now. What happened, first of all? Uh, so we were just going down a fast bit of road. There was a little metal thing in the middle and Teo hit that and just lost his front wheel and I was directly behind him and, yeah, just nowhere to go. So I was just... Uh, I could have tried to land on top of him. It would have softened my blow. But, yeah, we were both on the deck and, yeah, really unfortunate. Just a freak accident. When you hit the ground, did you know that that was maybe your race over? Yeah, it was we were going pretty quick and kind of knew that I definitely I knew that I wasn't bad like like broken something mm -hmm. but um yeah when you hit the the floor at that sort of speed it's never nice and um yeah I was on the same side as my shoulder when I did it in the tour so luckily I stayed in but um yeah just all the muscles and that were pretty tight and spasm and yeah knocked myself about a bit just a normal crash but uh it's just disappointing you know like I think uh after the tour and everything just looking to come here and you know change the scene and you know with the GB team and just really motivated to try and get something out of it and um, so yeah for, for that to happen I was just sat on the floor just thinking why what, what's, what's, what have I done in a previous life you know but it's been a really hard couple of weeks hasn't it I mean really hard even by your standards I guess yeah I think uh purely because of just uh, so much time away from home as well and all the sacrifices you make and you know, it was an 11 week block where I only saw my son for, and my wife for like four days you know and 
it's a lot of commitment and you know the diet and everything like you know let's face it I don't enjoy eating rice and <laughs> and chicken and you know missing out on all you know social occasions back home and just a few just normal few beers with everyone but okay this year has been a bit different anyway for obvious reasons but yeah it's just uh oh it's been tough mentally but you know still got one more one more chance on Wednesday with a TT so uh, yeah just rest up now and hopefully get something out of that when it all pays off those sacrifices it's easy to say that they're worth it when it doesn't pay off how does that all feel yeah it's tough because you know it's not that I've had a bad season you know I've, I've won <laughs> two races and you know I've been up there on the podium a few other times as well as that but the main two targets is you know what you, you dream about and they're the ones that sort of ended up on the floor so it's uh yeah it is tough and it, but you know it is part of the sport and you, it, like life in general as well you know you don't always get what you deserve but you just need to keep trying so i remember speaking to you in rio and it was a day maybe two days after you crashed in the road race then and, and i remember how how disappointed you were obviously how does this compare to that um well, I don't know, I think that one was 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 disappointing because I was there in the mix, you know, the medal was was there, you know, it was 10k to the finish and, you know, I was in with a chance of winning at least a podium, so that was hard. This one, yeah, I think because there's nothing I could do about it, um, I don't know if that softens the blow or makes it worse, I don't know, um, heads all over the place in a minute, but it's just... I think after the tour, the way that went as well, it's just kind of, I was sat on the floor just thinking, what, what is going on? Like, why? But as I say, that, that's, how, that's how it goes sometimes. How do you pick yourself up from that mentally now in, in, a, in a practical sense? Do you go and call home? Do you go and switch off? Do you go and watch movies? How do you, tur how do you turn your head around on all of this? I'll definitely ring, ring my wife and, uh, well, I'll speak to my son for maybe 10 seconds before he runs off and doesn't really care. <laughs> yeah. And then that puts it all in perspective, you know, so. And, uh, yeah, but definitely tonight, switch off completely and forget about bike racing and, you know, power and this and that and whatever. Then get up tomorrow and, uh, yeah, just try and recover as best I can and uh, all in for Wednesday. And just finally, I can see some blood still on your on your on the back of your elbow, um, but you've been checked out and, and everything's okay then, yeah. is it? Yeah, 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 it's all good. Just like landed awkward, did something to my ankle, so it's a bit of a pain to walk, but it's all right riding, so that's all right. <laughs> and uh, yeah, just the back is just a bit beaten up, but uh, nothing the physios and the masses can't uh, help. One more push, Geraint. One more push, just uh, at least stay on the bike, is it? <laughs> Best of luck. Thanks so much. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. So that was shortly after he'd climbed off there, G, and he'd crashed that day and you mm -hmm. got that interview with him. But he was quite reflective, G, and quite sort of... Um, quite honest, I yeah, thought. Yeah, not necessarily feeling sorry for himself, but he mm -hmm. was kind of questioning, you know, why always me, you know? And this is a question we always ask of him. Mm. And that's why it broke my heart hearing him say that because like I've, I've asked him this so many times before or it feels like it maybe I've not actually vocalized it a lot but I have asked him about his falling and and how he is so much bad luck and he doesn't have an explanation for it but just to hear him say sitting on the ground in an Olympic road race saying why me that's mm. tragic that really breaks yeah. my heart it's really lonely isn't it but straight away he was focused onto onto the time trial mm. then wasn't he and he does pick himself up g time and time and time again 
which was what makes him a great athlete. But yeah, it was really nice to see all those interviews and see the reaction of those because I've never seen that before. And you know what I really and like it's so as well? so different to the tour. Yeah, yeah. Because in the tour, just done we that. very rarely get those human mm-hmm. ones. It's always about the race and tomorrow. But the Olympics, for some reason, it brings out a different side to people. Because it's all or nothing. Yeah. You called it do or die earlier. That's what it feels like, I yeah. guess, for the guys. Yeah. And even Teo today, when we was listening to him, and that's been the most eye-opening thing for me, is watching the interviews. Brad, we're sponsored by Zwift, the cycling app where fun is fast but also unlocks performance. I'm a big fan getting on there with the boys, David and Stephen, as you know. Yeah. I've been exploring a few of the training plans. Oh, yeah. Tell me about it. Well, training plans on Zwift help you improve every single time. I'm currently on board with G's training plan. Geraint Thomas, fun is flying uphill. I bet that's a tough one. It's not easy. This workout focuses on improving your muscular endurance, a pillar of any great time trialist like you, Brad, mountain climber or stage racer, to help you deal with hard surges and improve your ability to fly uphill. That's quite good, Graham. Is that, and do you find it's helping you improve? Helps you improve just because it's so easy to use. And if you want to find out just how simple that is, there's a special offer, a seven-day free trial. Find out more, download the app today. I've loved as well seeing all the riders react to you being there because this is your, I mean, I keep forgetting because I've worked with you now for a couple of years on this side of it, but this is your first Olympic Games Mm. where you're not competing in 21 years. So for all these guys, they've grown up seeing you competing and winning and being their hero and that's not to overplay things at all. Well, my first Olympic Games, Remco was seven months old. Oh my God. Yeah, he was born on the 25th of January, 2000. (laughs) We Do you think kid. he remembers watching you in Athens, Bradley? Yeah, he told me he did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing to think that, isn't it? But what is that like for you, though? Because I feel like sometimes it's maybe a bit awkward for you as well because you're, you're, you're there as a, as a journalist or a broadcaster, mm. however you want to term it. Not but you're also dealing with... What's that? <laughs> not a journalist. Not a journalist, sorry. That's a dirty not word for you. Um, not for me. But you're trying to have this different persona, and you do. Mm. But you've got all these athletes who are also hero worshipping you, and and it's it's mm. it's a funny dynamic. I think it is that funny. Side. It's lovely. But it also it's lovely brings to see. out a different interview. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, yeah, and particularly with Teo today, mm. you know, in the time trial, he was almost embarrassed yeah, of his performance, I which I felt really sad for him because he's a great athlete, and um, yeah. But some of them I just couldn't do, like yeah. the G and that one. Yeah. I, I just couldn't. I can't. I couldn't do it. Well, because for Teo, he moved on to Jill Douglas from the BBC mm. afterwards, mm. and he gave a much more standard interview. I don't mean that in a bad way. No, I, mean, I know. I it know. was more he he squared his shoulders mm. and he stood up tall mm. and he assessed his performance. Yeah. With you, it was almost like, and I hope he doesn't take this in a disrespectful way. It's not meant like that at all. It's endearing. Mm. With you, he was almost like this little boy, and if, and as you say, it was almost like he felt embarrassed to be mm. talking about that performance, and he and he struggled to make eye contact with you, and yeah. and he was almost whispering to begin with I know and it's and you came away from that I think and you thought oh well I didn't do a very good interview it wasn't mm. a very good interview but it was absolutely fascinating mm. to see that because I've never seen Teo like that before no no and we had a similar thing at the mountain bike me and Pete went to the mountain bike and it was great and obviously interviewing Tom he rode for my team Tom mm. but to watch his performance way above his years yeah. 21 21 but as soon as we interviewed him he was like a little kid yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it was lovely because well, you're the boss you were the boss as and well as the hero really humanized and um just lovely it was a lovely thing and particularly with the women's mountain bike it mm. was great as well watching um evie 
who was just so animated and she you was so... came back totally in love with Evie Richards didn't you yeah, in, a, in just, a lovely way yeah, you were bigging no, her up the stage just so adorable I just thought again it was another thing as what the Olympics she was just so happy to be yeah, there yeah yeah and then Yolanda, yeah. she, as soon as she saw it was me, she said, oh, we, I watch you on GCN and all this <laughs> and this. But it was great. It really was. Um, what I really liked about Tom Pidcock's interview with you was that you were doing the classic thing, I guess, that we all do, where you're saying, OK, well, I've heard this from Dave Brailsford. This is his plan for you. Mm. And he turned it round, didn't he? And really straight impressed away, with his answer. He told me what he wants to do for the next three years. Uh, and I thought straight away, that's, uh, that's someone who knows where he's going in the sport. And that, that was off the back of saying that he's the next Tour de France project. Yeah. And most people go, wow, that's, yeah, I don't know. But Tom was like, well, I want to do the Worlds next year. <laughs> yeah. And then I want to come back to the next Olympics. And he's not thinking of the Tour yet. He's got it all set out. Very rare you meet an athlete like that. At that know. age. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, let's listen to Tom's interview now, actually. Let's play that. Right, Tom. Hello again. Olympic champion. Is it sunk in a bit more now? Uh, no. no. I think I'm going to have to, yeah. This medal's pretty heavy. It's a, it's a good quality one. I mean, it's, you're probably justified now, isn't it, in sacrificing most of your road season for this? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, for sure. I, I think it was, yeah, I worked bloody hard uh, coming back from injury and, yeah, and getting ready for this. And, and I think, yeah, everything just seemed to fall into place today. Um, yeah, I think I think it's, uh, yeah, big, big relief it's kind of over because it is, is stressful, but you know, it's uh, never feel anything like uh, we are winning an Olympic title. I think. Was you aware that Van der Poel had crashed when you were out there? And, and yeah, you... I was right behind him. Yeah, and after that, did, what point did you feel like you've got this in the bag? Uh, it looked like a wearing down process with the two Swiss guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, in the heat is not really. Mm. I mean, you saw it in the road race. No one really just kind of, you know, explodes and explodes forwards. A lot of people explode backwards. Um, so yeah, it was it was kind of wearing down, and I I kind of I a lot of people were making mistakes, and and I was like right, I need to get to the front, um, and I pressed on. I got a bit of a gap, and Flucky was holding me for a few laps, and kind of putting me under pressure, um, but I but I, I I kind of backed off a little bit. Um, you know, it's it's easy to I didn't want to overcook myself, and it was you know still you know anything can happen in the last couple of laps, so. Uh, and then, and then the gap kind of grew a little bit, even though I was backing off. And then, and then, I, and then I kind of knew, like, I got it in the bag if I keep it together. Brailsford said to me at the tour that you're his next project for the Tour de France. <laughs> so, can you see yourself coming back and defending this title, or will that be it now for mountain bike? Uh, well, next year I want to go to the Worlds, for sure. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, the Worlds mountain bike that is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then the next Olympics, I want to do road and mountain bike and TT as well if they want me. So. Brilliant. Well, Tom, enjoy the moment, mate. Congratulations, Thank Olympic champion. Much. Yeah, so there you go. You see what I mean about someone who knows what, they're, what they want to do with their life. And what I love about his answers was that you had said to him, right, OK, here's your team boss's project for you going forward. He's the man who pays your wages. Every project that he has on his list is away from the trade team. <laughs> yeah, which is a very... But he can do that, can't he, with that kind of a talent? With Tom is his own team. Yeah, And he yeah, always yeah. has been. And the first person he hugged was someone in an Irish track suit, which is mm. Kurt Bogarts, who's mm. been his um, personal DS at the Trinity Racing Team. And um, it's very separate to the Ineos thing. Um, but Tom's always been like that, and which mm. what makes him so successful is that, that in very se in individual-minded, not selfish at all, people that would get brandished around. But Tom, he knows where he's going in the sport. For someone at such a young age, he's got such an old head on him. Mm.
So I missed the mountain biking because the vagaries of an Olympic Games means mm. you can be dispatched anywhere. I was at the canoeing and the gymnastics, but I was following the, uh, the mountain biking on Twitter ferociously. It sounded, the men's race, first of all, sounded it was phenomenal. Yeah, it was some Van der Poel crashing. Yeah. And what happened? What went wrong, do you think? Well, there's some talk about them having removed a board or something um, that he didn't know about, but apparently they were all told about. I just think it was actually really heartbreaking to watch him lying on the floor. He went down heavy and watching the Dutch journalists that were all amassing there, expecting a gold medal. That pressure at such a young age um, again. And he went straight off to hospital, so he didn't do any media afterwards. But I felt for him and it just shows you like one person's misfortune was another person's. Mm. And Tom was behind him when he crashed. Mm. Um, and Tom realised a lot of people were making mistakes. And in that reference of, you know, lots of people making mistakes, I think maybe Tom, he was referring to, to, I was going to nearly call him Adri then, but it's um, <laughs> Matthew. But no, Tom, and that's what I mean about someone who's riding with a very mature head on their shoulders is he's able to make decisions like that on the road. And he said he didn't feel good either. So it just shows Tom. you. Yeah. Wow. He said, I didn't feel great all day. Amazing, amazing performance. And then the women's race was, was even more spectacular because mm. it had been raining overnight. So the conditions were very slippy and the Swiss girls were phenomenal. And she, so Yolanda, she, um, two years ago, she had a horrific back accident, mm -hmm. life-threatening. Uh, her last race was the test event 18 months ago. She broke her wrist six weeks ago before this race. When you said that to me um, on the bus this morning, mm. I was thinking, if I broke my wrist six weeks ago, I'd still be getting somebody to open the jar of pickles yeah. for me, never mind doing a, yeah. an Olympic final mountain bike. So, I mean, was, and to watch that again, her journey, she was in, bawling her eyes out the whole mm. way through the presentation. And she only stopped crying when she saw me. <laughs> <laughs> At least it wasn't the other way around. No. That would have been worrying. No. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just great. Great to see them become so human. Now, watching these extreme, like sort of gladiatorial performances and then they're so humanised mm. in the interviews after it's great it really is do you know what I've really enjoyed as well about watching your reaction to things is that I think you expected the men's racing to be exciting mm. and, to, and to be fired up by it and I don't think and this is this isn't a reflection on your interest in women's cycling but it's just whether you have the opportunity to watch it or not mm. I'm not sure if you expected to be as excited by the women's racing as you have been your eyes have been coming to life when you talk about it yeah because um I've never been able to witness it yeah. or, or watch it. You never pay an interest in any other race when you're yeah. in, the, in, the, in, the, in the pit with everyone. And I'm already looking forward to the track racing and watching like Laura Trot, you know, because you know, by the time Laura was always racing, or sorry, Laura Kenny, we were always back on the plane mm -hmm. flying off somewhere. And you don't actually get to watch as closely. And we have to watch now because we've got to ask questions afterwards. And I didn't realize just how much I enjoyed it mm. and just how, if anything, it's better than the men's racing because there's an expectation with the men's and you, there's a form guide. Yeah. And maybe it's something to do with the fact that it's not covered as much as well. So. And I think as well, it's less professional. So that mm. means there is less of a formula. There's less control. It, yeah, it's just a different format of racing, really. Mm. Certainly in the road racing, because we don't have the strength and depths of teams that we do in the men's racing. It, it has to be more attacking. It is more dynamic and it is a case of anything can happen. Mm. And Loanne Leconte was a clear favourite for, uh, for the women's mountain bike. Mm. She'd led every race, every lap of every race she'd done this year. It was a clear favourite. She was leading at one point and had a technical problem and fell off, which led to the Swiss dominance afterwards. So it just shows you that one race every four years and you only get one shot at it. And that was a great thing with Evie. She, she said that my, I'm already, my eyes are already on Paris in three years. And it's great to see that sort of um, focus from these people, mm. from these athletes. And that's the great thing with the Olympics is, is you know what you want to do with your life for the next four years. 
And I guess that's why this has been so hard because mm. you plan for the four years and then that yeah. fourth year has been extended by Absolutely. a whole year and, and that uncertainty must be And who knows what's going to happen the next three years. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, mean. I know, we keep thinking it's over, don't we? We do. And if it's in France, France has been the worst hit, hasn't mm -hmm. it? So, um, yeah, it's very, very interesting. What about the time trial? Well, the time trial, again, the thing that struck me the most, the thing I carry from the, the most from watching the women's time trial this morning was just how much it meant to Van Vluten. Yeah. I mean, at one point she ran from the hot seat right down to the Dutch media when I don't think she was supposed to, <laughs> yeah. to gesticulate to the camera mm -hmm. or something back home. And she, she couldn't hide her joy. Mm. And she'd been on the floor of the road race. She thought she'd won the road race. And this goes back to Rio as well, there's of course, a, when she was on course story. for gold and she'd crashed in the final descent into Copacabana. Yeah, I mean, and, and to watch her do that and what it meant to her, uh, the sheer joy and, and she wasn't self-conscious, no self-awareness. She was just, she was celebrating in that moment. That was funny to see, wasn't it? Because sometimes you get athletes being a little bit self-conscious and not knowing what to do. Mm. She was playing to the camera. She wanted to put on display mm. just how much this meant to her. That Absolutely. was quite lovely to see, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was, yeah. And to watch it, what it means to the personnel and the staff around, mm. I hadn't seen that side of it. Is that just what it means to the people that fix the bikes, massage, all those things? Because again, you don't, you're so wrapped up in your mm. own world. You think it's all about you. Yeah. And that's been really, really good to see. And she was dominant today. I mean, she won by almost a minute. Yeah. As phenomenal. did Primoz Rodlich in the yeah. men's race. Yeah. Yeah. Which again, that was uh, chopping and changing all the time. But Ghana fell away towards the end. Rodlich was in control from the start. But yeah, d there's so many different stories which started earlier on in the day. And going back to the women's actually, was watching the interview of the young refugee girl. Yeah, yeah. Which had us all quite emotional, yeah. didn't it? You talk about perspective. I mean, her story really does put everything into perspective and how eloquent she spoke, how powerful she spoke, but how frail and how vulnerable she was at the same time. But so together and with it, both of them actually, both the refugees that gave interviews today, um, it wasn't about the result. I couldn't even tell you where they got, but it was just about their presence and what, what they were there for. Yeah, her name's Masoma Ali Zada, an Afghan refugee living in France and, and I got to ask her a little bit about her story afterwards and she was saying how, you know, she wanted to send this message back to all girls and women in Afghanistan where riding a bike is still a political statement and it's a dangerous political statement and, and the Taliban are gaining ground there and and to be able to send that message to them, the first woman from her country. She's never ridden a time trial. And she never, she, this is phenomenal. Mm. She never ridden a time trial before. Her first time trial was the Olympics. As a teenager training in Kabul, she would quite often get, sometimes get hit or pelted by stones by men shocked to see her unaccompanied on the streets on a bicycle, which is, um, you can't imagine, can you? We can't though. We can't fathom it. And, and we were, we were saying, this is the silly thing, isn't it? I started, um, this podcast saying how we're living off half a night's sleep every mm. night, blah, blah, blah. And we'd arrived at the venue and it's an hour and a half, two hours drive there and back again. And you guys have spent long, long days in the car getting out to the mountain bike. And we arrived there and we had no sandwiches, did we? We had no mm -hmm. for lunch. We only had these like crappy little salads in Darryl the bag. the cameraman was moaning because <laughs> he, he only had an apple. Yeah. <laughs> and he had no coffee. And we were all having a bit of a self-indulgent moon, mm. weren't we? And then we go down and we speak to her 
And yeah. we all had a word with ourselves and we're like, guys, guys, my life. She's come through so much to make it to this start and finish line. Mm. I think we can manage without a sandwich for a day. You know, it just, it's, but it, th that is it. Again, it's one of those times that you said that, that is what the Olympics is about. And well, it's, a, and it's yeah. about reminding us. And let's listen to that interview. Massima, how was that? How was the time trial? It was uh, so, so good because it was my first time to do a time trial. It was first time for me in my life uh, to do time trial because I prepared for the long distance. But the last minute we decided to do a time trial. So I didn't have any experience, but it was so uh, good. I love it. And uh, because uh, I said to myself, I already have it. I'm a winner. A winner uh, for those who think that uh, women don't have right to ride bike. I'm winner because I participate in the Olympic Games, so I'm winner against them. So I'm so so happy with my race. Uh, uh, it, this, uh, the most important is uh, participating as a cyclist, as an Afghan woman. That I live in a country that uh, the, some people think and uh, to want uh, limit uh, the right of women. So I'm here and I'm so proud to represent. Uh, for the right of women, for the Afghan people, Afghan women. So, and uh, it was so, so exciting for me to be here, to participate in the Olympic Games, and for the uh, first time trail in my life. How much does it mean to you to be able to send a message to girls back home, to women back home, about being able to ride your bike? Uh, my message is uh, the most is, uh, for the people who think that uh, women don't have right bike or they, they think that women are failed or cannot do uh, the hard things or they want to limit the women. My message, uh, my message uh, most for them to, uh, uh, to a strong uh, uh, answer to them that they cannot limit the right of women. If I could arrive to Olympic Games, if today I'm here for, for, for participating in the Olympic Games, so it means that women are strong, they can do whatever they want and they, are, they don't need uh, the people who uh, to give them their rights. If you don't give our rights, we will fight to give it them. Masima, can you tell me how you came to be a part of the refugee team? What's your journey been like to come to Tokyo? I started cycling in Afghanistan, but I obliged to leave Afghanistan because of uh, the uh, problem of security and uh, other problems. So I came to France. I am a refugee in France. I continue to do cycling in France, and uh, I continue just continue, continue because uh, participating in the Olympic Games is not easy. We have to train hard. We have to be professional. We have need to do a lot of sacrifice. It was my dream, but I thought that it's not uh, it's not possible because it's so so hard. But I continue to dreaming, to work, to continue to cycling, and today I'm here. <laughs> it's like. A, it's something incredible that I cannot believe it, but I'm here and I have to, uh, to say myself that it's reality. It's uh, diffi uh, difficult for me to believe it, but I continue to write it, I continue to work it, and I continue to dream it. And now I, I realize that nothing is not impossible. We have to work for that. Just very quickly, how important is it to have a refugee team here? Yeah, it's uh, so, so important. Uh, um, I wanted to represent my country, but as a refugee, I couldn't uh, present my country. But I'm so, so happy to present the uh, Refugee Olympic team because uh, 82 million people, I send them message, message of hope, message of peace, because they, they left their country because of different reasons. And they are a new country, new culture, new people, new 
the, all the tankers are new, so I send them a message of hope to work hard, to study, to do a sport, and to send a positive message for others, and to be used to uh, in the new country that they are living in. Thank you so much. Yeah, very emotional stuff there. And then, obviously, we had a second refugee that was in the men's race, who, again, you'd met you before, and he said hello again. Yeah, I met him at the um, uh, Innsbruck World Championships, which is, what, 2018, 2019? Mm. I can't remember now, a few years ago. And I couldn't believe he remembered me with a face mask and everything. Mm. He was as humble and as, as beautiful a soul as I remember. A Syrian refugee, he fled, I think, some 10 years ago now when violence got really bad. I think his family fled first and he stayed on to continue cycling and then had to make his way across Turkey. And um, he lives in Switzerland now. But when I asked him where his family were all watching from, he he said they're in Turkey, they're in Aleppo. They're all over the place. His family all displaced. But when when I spoke to him in Innsbruck, he'd said to me his dream was to compete at the Olympic Games. And that was his dream today. It was really, really beautiful. Yeah, it was beautiful. Macca's collective cover is made especially for cyclists. This is bicycle insurance made for everyone, from Grand Tour winners to cyclists hitting the pedals for the first time. Lacquer has transformed traditional insurance with no more fixed upfront premiums. Instead, your monthly contributions are based on the collective's claims that month, meaning you could pay nothing if nobody claims. Your max monthly price is capped, but the savings are all yours. Claims are handled by Lacquer's team of cycling experts and usually agreed within a day with no depreciation or excess. The Bradley Wiggins Show listeners can get their first 30 days free. Head over to www.lacquer.co and sign up using the code WIGGINS. Primoz was dominant today, again, and to see him climb off at the tour when he did and go home, I don't, I don't think any of expected to see him here still. But Bradley, what did, you, what did you make of his race? Because for me, it was absolutely fascinating because at one stage it looked like he was in a three-man breakaway mm. in a road race. Yeah, well, he caught Casper um, Asgreen. Mm. But Primoz was executing his effort on the parts of the course that he could make time up. And he just caught Casper at the top of the small rise before they descended down, before they came onto the race circuit. And then you had to climb up to the race circuit. And I watched him very carefully... He clearly made his effort to the top of the climb, caught Kasper Asgreen. Then he sort of just soft-pedaled down the climb. And Kasper caught him back and went straight through him. And that's the distribution of where you distribute the power through the course is where you're going to make the most time up. And he didn't panic. He was taking a drink. He even took time to put the bottle yeah, back into yeah. the... Because the bottle is part of the frame. So the aero um, gains that you'll make by keeping the bottle... They came onto the circuit and then he climbed up back up to the circuit and, you know, he won by a minute. It was amazing. But we were watching him closely. We were watching Tom Dumoulin, who you were getting quite, you know, energetic about (laughs) because of his story and where he's come from. And to watch his interview afterwards... Primoz was very poker-faced, wasn't he? You wouldn't have thought... Much more so than after the road race, I thought. But Tom, I thought, was very composed, eloquent Mm. in what he said. Mm -hmm. His English is perfect. And the words he was using, we'll never, I'll never forget things like, you know, I had to take a helicopter view of my life. And to say something like that in Dutch, as a Dutchman, yeah, yeah. it's beautiful. You know what I really liked about his interview as well was that we've talked a lot about mental health at these games, haven't we? And Simone Biles, the gymnast, withdrew from mm. the team competition, then the all-around competition, and she's been talking about mental health issues. And so I 
not that I had to ask Tom Dumoulin about it, but it, it felt relevant and I would have done anyway. But I like how he said, you know, he wasn't trying to send a message to anyone. He's tr yeah, not trying to stand on a platform. It's his life. He's living it his way. He can only hope that other people make the decisions that are relevant to them, that are best yeah. for them. And I thought that was really gracious and, and intelligent, actually, because... We, it becomes quite trite, doesn't it? If we all jump on the same platform, it almost becomes meaningless. He looks very content with yeah, himself. Yeah, and happy. And measured. Mm -mm. Um, and I saw him eating a flapjack before he gave the interview to the BBC. <laughs> yeah. You know, just little things like that. It was, it was what, about... Why did you notice that? I find that really intriguing. Why did you notice that? Because he finished eating his flapjack, washed his mouth out, and then gave the interview. It was about Tom, I'm eating this. Uh -huh. You know, and it was... Everything he did, even the way he walked, he was walking slower than everyone else. It's yeah. like, I'm doing everything at my, my pace. This is about me. Yeah. And I thought it was beautiful. And even Rowan Dennis came along. And Rowan, I've never seen him as humble as that. Mm. It, it was, and he has a story to tell about, you know, being a father and everyone had a story. Yeah, yeah. And it was great to see that because you don't normally see that, win or lose as an athlete. Everyone else has gone off. Everyone who came through today, whether it was Nico Roach, yeah. whether it was the refugees, whether it was um, Geraint, everyone had a story to tell. And it, everyone was quite reflective and you, you were living that emotion with them. I had to stand back a little bit because you didn't want to over... You didn't want, I didn't want to sort of smother their emotion at that point. How much of that do you think is, is the difficult, the excruciatingly difficult sometimes period that we've been through? Do you think it's made everyone a bit more reflective in their interviews because I do think and maybe it's because my questionings are more my questions are more reflective of that anyway because I'm more interested in the humanity of what everyone's been through but I don't remember people talking about their families and their loved ones and the sacrifices and the people that have helped them got, get this far in quite so emotional a way before I think it's the jersey you pull on really it, it, it takes away the, the team element and mm. the contracts and I'm just doing my job for a contract next year and I've done what I've been asked to do your national jersey is the pride thing mm. and everything else goes out the window and you're representing your country. And that's your childhood dream, isn't it? And I think it, it humanises everyone. That's mm. what the Olympics is about. And I've probably the first time in 21 years I've realised that. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. Does that make you in any way look back on your Olympic career and the way you, you know, did your post-race interviews or contained your emotions or conducted yourself or... Would you do it any differently if you were your version of Sir Bradley Wiggins now competing no, at an Olympics? No, because I think all it did is, it just reminds me more so than ever of the one Olympic gold that I treasure the most, which was London. Yeah. And I remember saying to Colin Murray after I won in London that that's it, it'll never get any better than this. <laughs> yeah. I think I, I remember giving an interview afterwards where I was talking about the military that were helping out in London. And I met, a, I met a serviceman the night before I won at the hotel and he gave me one of his coins that they carry in their belts in case they get cap captured and wow. they've got gold coins that they give to their captors. And he gave me one of them and he said, you can have this, Brad. Um, I read your book the night before we stormed Helmand province and it really, it was Scottish and he said it f***ing inspirational. And he lost Bloody a lot of his mates hell. that day. And, that, and I, I, that was the night before the time trial. And um, I'll never forget that, yeah. And he, was, he gave me his coin from his battalion. And yeah, it was, um, it was phenomenal. It really was. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and I remember talking about that. And the Olympics is the only thing that ever, event and sporting event that does that. Yeah. It makes you realise what's important and it gives you perspective. And I noticed that with everyone who gave an interview at this Olympic Games. 
Let's hear those uh, interviews now from today's gold, silver and bronze out of the men's time trial. Look, I, I gave it everything. Everything was uh, left out there. Everything was left out there at training. Um, form was good, but I was beaten by two better guys on the day. And I'm just glad I got that medal in the end. And yeah, I'm proud. I'm very proud. How brutal was it, the course? Uh, first lap was quite easy. And then, uh, <laughs> then the second lap went it took a long time to catch G. Um, <laughs> but was, you did. I did eventually, but that that second half of the climb out the back was uh, was brutal. So that's where um, Primoz, I think, just absolutely destroyed us both, or all of us. Um, and that's where he definitely won it. So uh, it was just a dogfight between the, the rest of us. And uh, I was lucky to be on the, the positive side of that. You didn't feel bad there in passing Geraint Thomas, teammate? No, no, not at all. You've got to give it back to him every now and then. Um, he drops me most times, so I'm glad I could uh, I could pass and didn't quite drop him, but uh, um, yeah, it was. Uh, uh, he's a good teammate. Um, I love working for him, but obviously today is Aussie versus everyone else. So. Um, congratulations. I could see the emotion from you when you knew you'd won silver. What was that moment like? Uh, it's super special. Um, I mean, everybody knows that I had a strange year. I was overtrained in the, in the spring and also mentally I definitely needed to step back uh, to take a helicopter view of my cycling career, about my life, about what I wanted to do in the future. And uh, it was very uh, necessary, useful, and very cool also. <laughs> I had a really good time, actually. Um, and I really found my love for, for the bike, for, yeah, for, for professional cycling. And uh, um, I set my goals, especially to, to today, actually. I really wanted to get a medal here and aim for the highest. And... Uh, which was a medal for me, maybe not even gold, but I'm, I'm super happy with silver. This is, a, this is a silver medal with a gold touch for me. Do you think you could have won that medal if you hadn't taken that time off? Probably not. No, 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 no. I definitely needed a break and uh, very happy that I did. You've won silver before, of course. How mm. does this compare, given the journey that you've been on since then? Uh, this is definitely... Uh, uh, more special to me. I mean, with my my uh, my my time off and with my setbacks in the, in the in the couple, last couple of months, it's a uh, it's very special. This one. I think the way you've won it as well. So many people are behind you. So many people are mm. cheering for you because of what you've done. Do you hope that maybe this brings that conversation a bit more to the forefront? Uh, or is it just you doing your thing? Yeah, pretty much. Actually, it's it's me doing my thing, me listening to to what I need at, at that time, to what I need now. Um, and I don't want to be like a fighter for mm -hmm. what whatever. Um, I'm taking my decisions in life, and um, I'm very happy that I did. And I can only encourage everyone to do to do the. I mean, not to do the same choices, but yeah, to take. Uh, to sometimes take a step back and to look at your life and that's good but you're back in love with cycling again yeah definitely yeah <laughs> brilliant thank you so much thank you uh, yeah 
super nice huh? uh, it's, uh, it's beautiful uh, this thing is quite heavy actually <laughs> I didn't uh, didn't know it but uh, yeah for me it's just uh, incredibly nice after all the let's say uh, hard uh, hard things that happened uh, last uh, last moments to me and uh, that uh, yeah it's paid off all the all the work that we put in uh, from my side from the family side from the people all around me uh, that uh, yeah today i managed to to win the gold medal and being olympic champion Primo, as you mentioned the hard times, it feels like you bring us all on this roller coaster of emotions with you from the crashing out of the Tour de France, the injuries coming into this. I mean, how do you keep your head through all of that? Yeah, it's, it's super hard, uh, like especially when, uh, you know, the things are uh, not going the way that uh, you would like to. Uh, but uh, yes, at the end is always... Uh, I worked hard, huh? and uh, yeah, I always uh, try to to keep believing it that uh, that still it's uh, it's me, it's Primoz, and uh, yes, uh, everything is always possible uh, every day. And uh, I just went out. I had nothing to lose. Uh, I just uh, went uh, all out uh, from uh, yeah from kilometer zero and fight for every k and. Uh, yeah, managed to, to, to come to the finish. So I was, yeah, that, that was my job and uh, I did it uh, I did it good. And uh, yeah, uh, then the time said it was enough for the gold medal. So I'm uh, super, super pleased with that. Back home, how does this compare to everyone watching to winning a Tour de France? How big is an Olympic gold? Uh, it's, you know, in cycling is just stupid uh, to, to compare all these things. Uh, you know, everything is super hard to win. Uh, even your uh, yeah, home race uh, behind your house, but uh, yeah, every achievement uh, is special, and uh, yeah, uh, this one uh, yeah, for sure for me is super super special, and uh, I'm, I'm I'm really happy. But this gold medal has been a long time coming, hasn't it? Oh. Sometimes uh, I I can't believe it. I knew the journey to here was not. I was optimal prepared, but still having a lot of fun. So it was not that I really needed it to as a reward, but it makes it extra beautiful. And also maybe my old story about it started in Rio, more for the people around me that really um, believed in me and. Um, yeah, that makes it extra beautiful. This this is really a goal that shines extra because it started in 2016. After the road race, did you have to turn your head around and and get your head around what happened, or did that become fuel for today? I think I turned it around fuel because in the national championships in June, I didn't race too much, but I didn't have really good feeling. So I knew that I after I went on training camp on Foscano and I had a really good time there. Um, so, but the road race was for me the first uh, in a race situation that I felt awesome good. And everyone around me was talking about the miscommunication and other stuff. And no one was talking about my performance in the road race, but I still, I closed myself from social media. I didn't check it, but I knew I was in a really good shape. No one was talking about it, but I knew. And um, so that gave me extra confidence for today. You said you went into the flow today, you were in the zone. Have you ever ridden, in your head at least, a more perfect time trial? 
Oh, I think still it was not perfect. Um, uh, because, yeah, no, it was not perfect, but it, uh, I think in the end, um, it is about pushing power. And uh, I think that was my preparation was about to be in a be my best possible shape. And I think in that way, I pushed in all the perfect moments, I pushed the power. You've worked so hard for this moment. I know you'll have thought or maybe allowed yourself to think about this moment. Is it what you wanted it to be? Is this right now, being Olympic champion, what you expected it to feel like? Oh, I didn't think. Uh, every time when I crossed my mind that I was thinking about the result, I stopped the thoughts because I was just thinking about my task of today. And I didn't want to think after. I just want, my, my, my thoughts were going until the finish line. And uh, I have to say, I worked so hard for it, but actually there's also a lot of work already beforehand with the mechanic of the Dutch national team, Etty van Vught. Shout out to him, because this project started already way before and actually started already in my former team with Pat Ryan in, uh, in my Mr. Scott team. He started to believe in my time trial capabilities before I was not a time trialer. So it's a process also that started in 2016 when I joined the um, Australian team and uh, I continued and people believed in me and yeah, that's, uh, that's the result of today. So shout out to, to them also. It's uh, also a team performance. A party now at last. How will you celebrate? Ooh, I, for sure I will not sleep. Uh, I go in the plane, I think the bus is going at two at night and for sure I will not sleep, but I don't care. I am, I'm, I'm Olympic champion. <laughs>they're working in an intense environment and mm. I could see that they're building bikes and the intensity of that is was in there already and it, I, I don't miss that one bit. I was going to ask is there any bit of all of this that you miss or you think you will miss when you're standing in track centre next week? None of it. Really Bradley? No. no. You must have enjoyed it part of it though at the time no? Never. Really? No. no. Just the aftermath of it. <laughs> the, the, the box ticking process that that's that done. Um, Why did you do it? Um, I don't know. I've never really worked that out. Truly? I think it was a need to do it. I don't know why. It wasn't for ego. I think it was almost like a, a destiny type thing. Um, or I, I felt it was a need to do it. Um, it's why I'm here today. Yeah. So I think it's part of that journey as well for me. If I hadn't done it, I wouldn't be have the privilege of doing this now. Yeah. So... And I think it helps shape you, the person you become. You have to have those experiences. It humbles you. And I think we saw that a lot today. It makes you grateful for what you do have, including the medals. I have treasured my Olympic medals more than any other race because it was part of my life. It still is part of my life. I'll probably be at every Olympics now forever mm. because of that mm. history. Do you think you enjoy the medals more now then than yes. you did at the time? It's maybe appreciate wow. more what, witnessing what they've done today. I watched Rolich with that medal today because it was the same event. I know what that feels like. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So what are you looking forward to next week then? Team Pursuit. Yeah. It's where it all started for me when I was 19. Um, 
the Madison. I was thinking about that today. Yeah. Me and Rob Hales, both we rode two. We got we were heading for bronze, and he crashed in Sydney, and then we got bronze four years later. And your worlds, of course, with yeah, uh, Mark. Yeah. So yeah, I'm just looking forward to that. We're looking for to, we're doing BMX tomorrow. Yeah. And that should be um, that'll be great because again, you never I've never been able to witness and watch that up close. And we used to train with those guys in the gym because they're all under one banner back in the UK. So yeah. Do you know I was looking at the stats and, and I'm going to forget them now. I'm going to misremember them because they're in my notes somewhere. It's from research before I came to the games. But since lottery funding came in and British cycling is the most successful sport in Team GB and I think it's 40 medals they've won which means that you've won almost a quarter mm. of all the medals since lottery funding and you've won a fifth I think of all the goals. Now if Jason Kenny wins any medal he joins you as the most decorated yes. Olympian ever. Mm. If he wins another gold, he becomes the, the yeah. most successful, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Laura Kenny, of course, she's sitting on four goals yeah. now, isn't she? So she could go to five. But we get so used to, because of your success, because of British cycling success, we get so used to just expecting the medals to come. What do we think realistically is going to happen in terms of medals next well, week? Well, I don't think they'll have a massive haul. Mm. But I think there'll be individual successes that shine. Laura and Jason being one of them, because they almost come as one. Jason will come away from here as the most decorated. I can't see him not. But that won't be enough for him. It, you know, two bronzes won't be enough for him. It what will it take for Jason to become a Bradley Wiggins or a Chris Hoy? Because he's, he's level with Chris right now. He doesn't yeah, have that I don't that think name. he's interested. Jason's yeah. all about performance. Mm. And he'll be happy to go home... Be happy with Laura and the baby, mm. well, the child now. And they're just performers, you know, not everyone wants everything that goes with it. And Jason's as laid back as they come. Yeah. And he's, a, he's one of our greatest athletes. And, you know, he's happy with what he's got, you know. Team Pursuit, Blue Ribbon, Ed Clancy's still in there. Ed. What do you think? Our greatest ever Team Pursuiter. Mm. He's on three, going for number four. I fear for him next week. Having heard what the Aussies have been that have been doing in training, but it's the Olympics and we, we've got a history of winning there, so uh, we'll see. But that's what's going to be spectacular. The, there's no form guide. This Olympics has been, I don't know, whatever happens, whoever wins, you know, it's been great to be seeing in being the heart of it. Do you think you'll find yourself cheering in the track centre? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I actually. I was cheering for Ghana today. Yeah, you were, yeah. Gave, uh, gave G a big shout as he came through. Yeah. yeah. You gave Tom a shout. I did, <laughs> I did. Zit him up, Tom. Um, <laughs> and that's what's great about it, is um, being able to become a fan. Mm -hmm. I think that's it for this episode of the Bradley Wiggins Show, sponsored by Zwift, where fun is fast. Um, You're good at that. Thank you. Thank you, Orla. <laughs> thank you. It's yeah. been such a pleasure. And um, we'll, we'll see you again soon. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, Fresh. 